Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey you! Yeah you! Come join our Discord! The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and today with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, la 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 Lou. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. The, the, um, there's no... Uh, I, I hate to say it, but uh, one of my nephews the other day, uh, I saw him and he's like, why not Luchador? I was like, ooh. Actually, that was pretty good. Okay, so we have my lovely co host, Luchador. Arriba. <laughs> I don't know what a Luchador <laughs> does outside of put his hands up and then the crowd goes crazy. <gasps> what was that? Yeah, song? he's like, What's ooh. Song? Dude, uh, from uh, uh, Ramsey. Ramsey's is the best. <laughs> he likes to party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nacho Libre, bro. I love Nacho Libre. Anyway, uh, we're going to get in today's episode. I wanted to try something different for today's episode. Uh, I'm thinking that we can all learn something here. And we're, we're just trying this out. So let us know. DM us if you like this or if you didn't. Last week, Lou, um, I totally just forgot to record. And I just totally <laughs> forgot about it. I think I fell asleep last week at like 8 p.m. and just like... I was just so tired from work that day, so I think I, that's just what happened. But today, we didn't You're forget. You're all good. I actually had a hard time remembering if we did or didn't. Like, there was a battle in my head of, like, I don't know. Me me neither. It was, it was Thursday night when I realized, oh, shoot, I don't think we did one. Wait, I think we did do one, but let me double check and realize, oh, crap, we didn't do one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, it's been getting crazy. But this is a different type of format here. Today we wanted to talk about the Fairchild, the Fairchild compressor. Now, if you don't know what the Fairchild compressor is, 
pause the program right now to look up a picture of it because this is not only one of the first um, one of the first compressors limiters ever made, but it was also one of the most influentials and still many, 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 many emulations in both analog and hardware are created by this compressor as well as um, mock or not mock-ups. Uh, what do you say? Like... Um, DIYs. DIYs or other companies emulate this compressor a lot and use its functionalities a lot. Yeah. So I think the Fairchild 670, like for example, I think we've talked about one of my favorite plugins, which is the Magic Death Eye. And that is very much similar to the Fairchild. It's it's that creator's take on the Fairchild. So um, so what I'm going to do for this episode is I'm going to start reading uh, from... A blog as well as from Wikipedia, and we're going to talk about this. And Lou, I know that you've used the Fairchild. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever used an actual OG analog unit? Yeah, I've had a few. Like, I can count them on a single hand how many times I've actually had the pleasure of mixing through one. Um, but each time, they were very uniquely different at the same time, very uniquely the same. They, they just got this little special something in their tone, but you could tell that different techs had their hand on different units. This is interesting because I don't think... I'm trying to remember. I'm racking my brain right now. I know I've used the undertone audio one, the unfair Oh my child. God, so good. I know, and I've used that a bunch of times. What I don't think I've ever used the actual original unit from the 60s, I believe. Like I don't think I have ever used that unit. Which is, I've seen a few and I've touched a few, but I don't think I've ever actually used one. So, uh, But I've done a lot of different emulations and a lot of different hardware based on that, based on the Fairchild, yeah. like the unfair child. So, one of the times I used it was uh, here in L.A., and the other four times have been when I was traveling abroad where like somebody booked a really nice studio and they flew everybody out to get these sessions in. So like they were really expensive studios, and like they made sure like everything works in these studios but they're like some of those very ducked off very vintage-esque studios like they don't allow smoking in the room or anything like it was very uniquely like their own bubble that they stayed in their own era for that's that's pretty freaking dope getting to use the compressors anyway uh that they are often found in nice higher-end studios and I'm reading on this blog that there's even a company, Dream Hire, in New York City that you can rent it out for $235 a day, which is surprisingly inexpensive. Yeah, think, I'm not going to lie. I would pay that. Yeah, like for a day or two, but it's only in New York City and it has to be set up by one of their engineers, um, which is uh, interesting because how much do those go for now? I mean, you're you're the... They're closer like to like forty to fifty thousand. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say. Yeah, they're closer to fifty k. Here, I can actually find a recent listing. Let me see here. And while you're doing that, while you're doing that, let me start reading from this. So this is actually from a blog called Recording.org, and the author is Donnie Thompson. I'm using this one. I I tried to cross-reference a few different things, including the Fairchild one, and this is actually one of the best ones we're going to get into, and I'm going to actually go to the Wikipedia page and maybe some other things as well from Universal Audio directly, which I believe has the um, has the patents over the... Oh, I might be misleading you. I need to look this up. But I I think, off the top of my head, something about Universal Audio has 
the rights to the schematics for the Fairchild or something like that. But I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up and let you know the real answer in a minute. Let me start reading this. Okay, uh, the Fairchild is considered by Mender to be the holy grail of compressor limiters. The 670 can be heard on thousands of hits over the years. In recent years, there's been a resurgence of its use with both the real model and the plug-in form on high-energy materials and dance mixes. As the years pass, however, they are becoming much harder to find. Those who have the fortune to have one generally guard it with their lives. For those who wish to have a real one, you can find one. It could cost you upwards of $40,000. Again, this, this blog was actually, post was written in about 2015. Um, anyway, it's so let's talk about it. It's still accurate, though, because I'm seeing many sold for forty five to 55000 in the last year. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So the history of this, the original design was created by a guy named Rain Narma. A respected design engineer, Narma had been hired by Les Paul to design and build Paul's first eight-channel mixing console, which people keep forgetting about that. Les Paul, who's famous mm-hmm. for the guitars, right? The Les yeah. Paul guitars and, and electric pickups. Also made one of the first. Uh, if was it the first mixing console? He like it wasn't the first, but it was the first multi-track console. Multi-track recording, which is that's impressive. Yeah. So he developed several early limiter prototypes, eventually deciding on the design of what would eventually become the now famous 670. So just to be clear, before we keep going, um, the original one, the first one was the 660. Or maybe the mm-hmm. 670 was first. I don't remember which one was first. But 660 the... was mono. 670 is when they started introducing the com- uh, compatibility for stereo. Yeah, there you go. So you got the dual mono. The 670 is the dual mono. 660 is just a single unit. So that's why a lot of these like plug-in companies will have two different ones. The 660 is emulating the mono one. 670 is emulating the dual mono one. All right. Um... The de- this design was then licensed by Sherman Fairchild, who up to that point had a company whose primary primary industry was building aircraft. Fairchild decided to create an audio equipment company, and he hired Narma as the company's first chief engineer. The Fairchild Model 670 incorporates two independent limiters on one chassis, which can limit either two independent signals, such as the left and right channels of a stereo signal, or the vertical and lateral components of the same. This is interesting because I noticed that this Fairchild uses vertical and lateral, and no other plugins or software hardware I've seen use that lingo. So I'm hoping that it explains it a little bit. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's supposed to be midside. I believe so too. I believe so too. Yeah. But um, I've never like actually confirmed it, and I don't remember off the top of my head to <laughs> confidently say that publicly on a podcast. The latter is accomplished by first bringing the two stereo channels through a matrixing network, dividing them into their vertical and lateral components, limiting them independently, and recombining them through second matrixing network into left and right channels. Yeah, that's got to be what it is. Yep, mid and side, which is incredible. I didn't realize they had mid side equipment yeah. at that time. I thought this that was like a slightly newer technology. I guess it wasn't at all. It was never close. an external device thing like it is now. Because um, nowadays you can buy a mid side matrix on its own, but it used to be something that could only be found in specific hardware. Mm, interesting, interesting. I, I've never actually heard the lingo vertical, lateral, vertical. Like, I've never yeah. heard that lingo before, so obviously it just didn't catch on. <laughs> yeah, because he just yeah. made it. Inside. I mean, it makes sense, because somebody's like, hey, can you uh, can you turn up the vertical? It's like, what? <laughs> 
Each half of the Model 670 uses only a single push-pull stage of audio amplification and an extremely high control voltage, with the result that the automatic gain-controlled amplifier never produces any audible or observable thumps. All right, that was a big, big sentence. But the point of that is that with extremely even with extremely high voltage you can have automatic gain control that never has any audible or supposed to never have any audible compression artifacts or what we call like yeah. pumping right they said he in this article it says thumps but pumping Contrary to most limiting amplifiers previously available, this unit has extremely low distortion and noise under all conditions, both as a straight-through amplifier and the under-maximum limiting condi- conditions. That is, tr- yeah. I didn't realize that, because even the, um, the other compressors, even the ones after it, like the 1176 we've talked about before, there was noise in all of these units. And that was part of the problem, especially because compressors brought up noise when you compress signals and turn up the gain and... and readjust it floor like the noise floor was a big issue big deal with with analog recordings which luckily now it's not if for anybody that's listening right now wondering what the heck noise floor is go listen to your favorite record or, or song of an acoustic guitar and a vocalist that's it and then turn it up you'll hear like tape hiss in the background or some sort of analog hiss um, because with it's just two things you got to compress them and there's going to be so much open like there's so there's so much space in the record that you're going to notice that there's like some white noise and if you like early 2000s music you'll hear it all the time anything from justin timberlake there you go and so that was you know People, to be honest, it, it kind of became one of those things with like the same with like film. Like we went to like 60 frames per second and then realized, oh, that's yeah. too much. That looks weird. And then we went to 30 frames per second and we still use 24 frames per second for film, even though we can reach upwards of hundreds of that, well, millions of frames per second now technology. I mean, with slow mo, yeah. but I mean, like, uh, it's, it's just incredible that they actually, the film industry, they went too far in technology and then had to bring it back down because it was just weird. And I think that was just one of those moments where at first they were like, let's get the noise out, let's get the noise out, let's get the noise out. And then digital came out and we got all the noise out. They're like, actually, the noise was kind of cool. Let's bring it back in a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That, that may have been a thing. Anyway, the attack time of the unit is made extremely fast in order to catch short transients. And the release time is made adjustable from 0.3 seconds to 25 seconds in six steps. Oh, so it's a fixed attack time. I didn't realize that. I, yeah. For some reason, I thought it was an adjusting attack time. I thought the attack time also changed with the, um, the, time, the time signal, whatever it's called. No, this is why, like, you hear a lot of people talk about, like, they love it on vocals and buses for vocals because, like, it really helps smooth them out. But if you notice, like, almost never do you find it used on, like, drums unless they're trying to, like, smash the living hell out of it. Um, Which is honestly a really fun use for, like, parallel compression. A Fairchild always goes really well in parallel compression for the same reason. Yeah, dude, I love smashing drums with 670 with uh with any sort of Fairchild emulation. There is something really cool about that. That sounds really dope. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, two of these have release times in which are automatic functions of the program material. I knew about that. Five and six. Providing, so this is the time constant, so we've all seen it on the Fairchild again. Pause the program if you need to take a picture or take a look at a picture of a Fairchild. Um, but if, if assuming that you've seen a Fairchild emulation, the time constant on the right-hand side of the device 
is one through six. So it's saying that one is 0.3 seconds and six is 25 seconds. Interesting. Uh, and five and six is is kind of like the what which what other plugin or sorry what other compressor does that like the automatic release? Uh, oh, SSL G bus. There you go. Yeah, the SSL G bus yeah. is really famous for that. Same with the uh, Chandler. Uh, oh yeah, the Chandler uh, LTD two. Yeah, the I believe, limiter, it is. I believe also has a couple of those. Well, that's supposed to be kind of the non tube version of the Fairchild, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, uh, let's let's go back into this. Uh, owing the wide choice of attack and release times, as well as automatic recovery feature, this unit can be used to limit program materials severely without producing the audible thumps or pumping so often associated with limited program material. Interesting. So a remote limiter can also be connected to the terminals exposed at the rear of the amplifiers. Okay, that was a little bit. That was a little bit unnecessary. Let's see. A radical departure from the classic limiter design. The 670 is characterized by the complete absence of audible thumps, absence of distortion and noise, and is extremely stable over long periods of time. I mean, a better. I mean, I'm reading the UA description as well, the Universal Audio. Listen to this mm-hmm. description. It says, The first Fairchild limiter that Audio Genius Ray Narma created on Les Paul's kitchen table transformer recorded forever. Soon, these 20 tube, 14 transformer, 67 pound behemoth (laughs) resided in world class studios, many of which still employ their vintage Fairchild. Yeah, 20 tubes, 14 transformers, 67 pounds. I'm, yeah, we we might be talking in the middle of uh, negotiating with the sponsor right now. We might be get be getting sent a device we'll talk about later. If that happens, if it goes through, cross your fingers. I hope it does. I thought that was a lot because it's got four transformers, two on each output and input, and six tubes. And not only this, this specific compressor is able to emulate 11 different types of compression styles and has various circuits in, in them, in it. Nice. So, I mean, compared to six is a lot. Six tubes and four transformers. We're talking 20 tubes and 14 transformers. <laughs> that is so, that is so many. I mean, just, I'm trying to think of like upkeep for the 670s. It just must be a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, anyway, the model six, four units in one. The model 670 is either two independent limiters or by the flick of a switch, a vertical lateral component limiter. All this enclosed within 14 inches of rack space. Okay, large vertical amplitudes on stereo disc, blah, 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 blah. We're skipping through for this. Many extremely fast attack time. Many a short transient can pass through conventional limiters because of their slowness in attack. The Model 670 can produce full limiting effect during the first 10 thousandths of a second. Holy cow. Variable Full limiting, huh? 10 thousandths of a second. Uh, Microsecond is what? One... A microsecond is a thousand milliseconds. Yeah, one one thousandth of a of a a thousand. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Microsecond is so, faster than a millisecond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, one thousand microseconds is one milliseconds. One millisecond. Yeah. Okay, I think I think I need to I need to. Look or are that we up. getting this wrong? Hold on, I'm gonna look this up. Yeah, we should look this up. How many? 
microseconds. You tell me the answer in just a second. Different program material requires different limiting action. By choosing the correct release time characteristics, even severe limiting can be made to be practically imperceptible. The Model 670 supplies six different timing curves, several of them making the release time an automatic function of the amount of limiting. Okay, now he's just repeating himself. But it is also a very mute type compressor. So this type of program material as a personal preference, dictates the use of either a limiter or a compressor. The 670 can be adjusted to work either as a compressor with a ratio of 2 to 1 and a threshold of 5 dBs below normal program level, or a peak limiter with a compressor ratio of 30 to 1 and a threshold of 10 dBs above program material. So it's just like any sort of like very mute compressor where the more gain reduction it's doing, the higher the ratio becomes. The Manly Varimu yeah. does this as well. Manly Varimu is also another compressor that is... Um, highly influenced by the Fairchild 670. And figured it out, it's 1 million microseconds per second. 1 million microseconds per second. Okay, so it's not quite a microsecond. So uh, the Fairchild's attack time is not quite a microsecond. I think I've seen uh, some sort of a plug-in do microsecond attack time, so maybe maybe they were just pulling my chain. Oxford does it. That would make sense. Yeah. Oxford. Oxford. Leave it to the guys that work with GML. Anyway, let's talk about the Fairchild. Now that we've kind of done the kind of done the history of it, and we've talked a little bit about it, uh, we were talking briefly about how we like to use it. What are some things that yeah. you like to use it for? Honestly, favorite favorite thing is Vocal Master Bus. Um, I I'm not a big fan of putting things on my Vocal Master Bus for the sake of stemming. Um, and stemming alone. But there's something to be said when I work on like an R&B record where there's like tons of vocals and everything going on at the same time. And I just want it to feel like it's glued in together a little more. And it just has this special way of just kind of like you just tap it like one or two dBs, one or two dBs on that vocal master bus. And suddenly everything feels like just a big old hug on the vocals. Which specific version are you using for this? Uh, Legacy and non-Legacy from UA are the two that I use the absolute most out of. Mm. Like, it's almost incomparable to how much I use the other ones. Um, I haven't tried Magic Death Eye yet. I know you've been talking about it for a while. I just haven't tried it yet. But, um, yeah, I tried... uh, Oh, you know what? El Rey. But I don't think El Rey is necessarily the 670 no, it, specifically, but no, I know it's, it's, it's a very not, new yeah. style. Yeah. Yeah. But um, El Rey, once in a while, will win it over, but it's usually a 670 on my vocal master. I also use the 670 Legacy a lot. We've talked a lot about that on the on the podcast, which I found out, depending mm-hmm. on which device that you get, you can no longer get the Legacy version. So if you get a device, I don't, there was a couple times where like someone hit me up saying that they bought some UA device to get the legacy Fairchild 670 because of the podcast. And then the stuff that they got didn't include the Fairchild 670 legacy version, which sucks, which sucks, but it's all right. Um, And uh, it doesn't matter. But that's also one of uh, Leslie Brathwaite's secret plugins. He always uses that on vocals, specifically for the, what it does with the mid-range, which the newer Fairchild doesn't quite have that same magical mid-range thing to me as the Fairchild 670 uh, that Leslie uses on the uh, the legacy version, which he uses on his vocals. And I think they both sound good, but I do think that they're not quite similar, and, and I like the magic 
mostly because Leslie likes the magic of the 670, and I agree with him, you know. Um, and uh, there's that, too. I also use the Magic Death Eye, which is doesn't sound anything like the UAD versions. In fact, it's really different and lots of saturation, and it's really interesting. But I like the concept of the same sort of design with the six time constants. Um, did I didn't realize this, but actually... I like having less options for release times. There's been many times where I'm using a Fairchild Type 6 or even 4 release time, changing things with the, now I'm realizing is unchanging attack time. I can actually figure out, it's, it's less painful to figure out which release time works for the song or on the track. Yeah. There's something about like, decision anxiety Minimalistic options yeah having no having no options less options makes you happier so one thing i talked about with an old mentor of mine um you know he was one of those kind of like older kooky kind of engineers kind of thing like he'd been around the world and worked on every console and blah 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 right and um one day we were talking about plugins and he's like you know the issue with plugins is that there's so many and that's not even the worst of it it, it wouldn't be such a problem if there were so many, if they just limited the options. Like, look at how people worked on consoles. Some of them had fixed frequency points, and it's because they were the frequency points most commonly requested to fix the most common issues or enhance the most common uh, spots that people wanted to enhance. So the funny thing is, everything just worked. But now that you have a million options, you can't decide what to do. <laughs> and it really shouldn't take you that long to say that sounds good or that does not sound good. And ever since then, I've really had a very minimalistic option kind of uh, workflow where it's like, hey, like, I don't need a lot. I can I can get it just fine. But that's also why a lot of people like Neves for recording, because it wasn't like an SSL where you can sweep it around. Sure, it wasn't as flexible. But, you know, looking at the Fairchild where it's like, hey, you got four knobs. If you can't get it right with four knobs, Les Paul is laughing at you and is great. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of people that still don't understand compression, but the Fairchild, I mean, in that blog, it was talking about how it's really hard to get that, like, that pumping artifacts that you can get from badly compressing, not even overly compressing, just badly compressing. I do think the Fairchild is a great go-to compressor for hyper-compression, like, tons of compression, whether it's, like, a parallel, um, some sort of parallel compression, or just, like, really smashing the drums to give it a cool effect. I, I do like oh, yeah. that. I also like use it a lot on bass vocals as well. A bass oh my guitar God, sounds so great. good on bass. Yeah, depending on the yeah, it's so great on bass. Um, there's actually I'm trying to think. There's very few things that I actually don't like. In fact, I'm trying to think right now. Is there anything specifically that I don't like Fairchild's on in general? Snare. You think so? I think snare because. I feel like I've had you know, a, I've actually had recently like 2 months ago I had a good experience. I typically don't use a Fairchild on snare. It was yeah. actually because Matt Matt mixed something. This so this is like 4 or 5 months ago maybe. A little bit longer mm -hmm. ago. Matt mixed something. He sent it to me and I I couldn't get the snare to sound the same as his snare, which I thought his snare sounded cooler. I called him he's like, "Oh, I just smashed it with the Fairchild." I was like, oh, shit, and I used it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's doing that little squish thing, that, it's, that splash yeah. that the snare does. So, but that was like a very rare time. The Fairchild is not something I use for a snare at, by default. Yeah, like the Fairchild, what I like about it for me personally is that it 
has this way of like helping with nasally tones, mm. which is kind of where I want my snare sometimes. I want it to like thump in that tone of like that upper like I guess you could say like five to seven hundred. And the Fairchild has a really good like kind of magical thing that it does at like smoothing out like congestion tones in that range. Like I'll use it on different vocalists that are kind of nasally or like they sing a lot in their head and it seems to kind of like smooth them over really nicely. Yeah. But on a snare, sometimes it just takes a little much out of it. So like drum buses, I like it for like parallels because it kind of cleans up that range too. So it has more like bottom impact and top impact, but I don't know about it for snares for me. I, I At least I haven't had it with success. Yeah. And going back to what you were talking about earlier, I, I think, again, the simplicity of this compressor as well. If you are new to compression and try to figure it out, this might be a good one. There's a few different compressors you should try out, but this is one of the first ones I recommend you trying out if you're new to compression because there's very few options. It's, it's kind of hard to mess up. It sounds great. And again, there's something about like, what do you say? Like um, an artist working with constraints and not having access to all the plugins in the world and just using this as one of your three compressors <laughs> yeah. that you use. I think it's okay <laughs> because it's a great yeah. sounding compressor. Like have it be one of your three. And there's a lot of, I think there's a few free versions floating around out there. Waves has a version. The Waves version is probably the most different sounding out of all the Fairchild emulations that I've heard. In fact, mm. it's not quite, it's not, it's not it. It's it, the release times feel. It's way a faster. little bit aggressive in the mids for me, and also like the release times feel way faster than the actual unit. Like the every. I other feel like animation. that's also very much a waves thing because it's the same way for the twenty five hundred. Yeah, something about it. Something about it. It's just I like the waves twenty five hundred. I we've talked about this before. The waves API yeah. twenty five hundred. I think I like. It's like way the too one much plugin. I can you know hands down endorse with like. Just a little bit of guilt in my heart, because you know me and Waves. We, yeah. I like Waves, but um, but uh, I just don't like their model. <laughs> but the uh, the what is there? The Puig Child. It doesn't sound oh, yeah, like any Puig of the Child. other. It doesn't yeah. sound like any other emulation. So just avoid using that one. But um, it's still better than nothing. It's still better than nothing, and it actually sounds great. It's just it's just does sounds the most different out of all the Fairchild emulations out there. So I'm not saying yeah. don't use it. I'm saying that don't think that this is the most realistic to what every other one sounds like don't base your judgment off of fairchild off of that single plugin <laughs> yeah. um, anyway. honestly if you have logic you probably have the 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 hybrid compressor i think it's called or the digital compressor where it can switch modes to just about anything there you go there you go i think there's a 670 option oh yeah yeah, because there's a lot of options in it. There's like seven, eight different types of compressors to choose from. And Varimu is one of them. But I think it takes the Varimu style from the Fairchild, not the Manly. Wait, wait, wait. Which compressor are you talking about? The Logic compressor. Hold on. I've... It's literally their stock plugin. Oh, the Logic one. Oh, yeah. like on Logic X, like on Apple yeah. Logic. I was trying yeah. to think like Apple, like Logic as in like SSL Logic, like. <laughs> oh no, they they just got their G bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so okay, the Logic, Apple Daw Logic. Yeah, yeah, there's um, I'm not sure about that actually. You should look that up real quick. But oh, that yeah. sounds about right. I I mean the Logic compressors actually sound really really great. I'm not gonna lie to you, the default ones actually sound really great. Logic's default plugins sound really 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 great. Some of my favorite default compressors, if I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Other than their stock kick drums, if you produce music, do not use their beach ball ass sounding 
<laughs> baseball, basketball, dribbling, sounding kick drums that comes with the dawn <laughs> default. <laughs> that, that shit sucks. Do not use any of it. Anyway, uh, other than that, that's pretty much it for this episode. We do like the yeah. Fairchild. We use it a lot. We recommend you use it. And we hope that you learn something on how, how it works and how you use it. And uh, do do we do endorse it. Coming soon in future episodes, we're going to be talking about... Oh, actually, before we do this, let's go talk about our sponsors real quick. This is probably the last episode that is sponsored by the Mixing Music Podcast by itself. The Mixing Music Podcast is brought to you by... The Mixing Music Podcast. Specifically, did you know that we have two, three times the amount of episodes every single week? If you subscribe to our exclusive podcast, RSS feed, go to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive to figure out how you could pay $4 a month or $40 a year to get access to three times the amount of episodes every single week. Uh, The co-host is Braden Flint from Flint Mastering. Braden sometimes does the episodes by himself. Uh, I also join him at times. Really great stuff. Totally recommend it. Once again, mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Or just go to the homepage. Anyway, for uh, some things to look forward to in future episodes, we also have a review that we need to do about these wireless headphones from III that we need to talk about. Um, We also have a couple new sponsors that we're going to be talking about. Um, But we love your feedback. So... Uh, if you want us to talk about any specific episodes, join our Discord, Discord, whoa my gosh, English, Discord server. <laughs> Again, I mean, we can have a disco on the Discord server. Go to mixedmusicpodcast.com and just on the front page it says, join our Discord server where there's almost a thousand other producers at the time, at this time in December 2022, there's almost a thousand other producers, mixers, engineers in the server and just tag us, be like, at DK, at Lou, we should talk about this. And also, if you have more Lou nicknames that you'd like to share, we're always, we always would love to hear them. Anyway. Louisiana chicken. There you go. So there's lots of things to look forward to. I think next week is going to be a chill week. I might do something solo. I, Lou might do something solo. We might do something together. We're not sure. But as it is the holidays, we're trying our best to just keep this canoe afloat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so that reminds me something I did as a kid. We would have like canoe fights, like pirate. I think it was like pirates. So like for a scout camp, what we'd do is get all would the you canoes. Fight out. with the canoe itself. Now hear me out. Hear me out. So we would have like cu- like buckets and cut gallon milk jugs. So like you can like scoop water and water guns, and we try to sink each other's canoes, and that hmm. was fun. That was really fun. One, okay, granted, we were like 12, but one time it got like really almost racist because we were like, are you Asian? Nah. Then, like, <laughs> then we sunk the canoes. <laughs> if they weren't Asian. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny because it's like, I'm going to sink your ship. It's like, uh-oh. Okay, like a scout camp race war of like pirate <laughs> <laughs> We were like 12, 14. <laughs> I totally forgot about I like, that. I like how I hit that soon. I totally forgot about that. Oh, man. Oh, you're the wrong kind of Asian. <laughs> <laughs> Sinking ships with DK. Oh, no, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Anyway, uh, uh, love y'all. <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking, remembering. Uh, another funny story. In front of 
I totally forgot about this too. Uh, in front, I don't know how this memory triggered triggered memories here, but I think it's just so late that I'm getting tired. But what, what one time I did a dance competition. Literally, we had like 15 seconds of solo time, and to like because we were picked from the judges, and I kind of know enough break dancing to get through the qualifying round, and then in front of an audience of of 500, 600 people all my age and I was about like 15 at this time my age like high school age maybe it was more than 500 in fact my memory is foggy but I think it may have been more anyway what I did was the Zoolander bro I hid an extra pair of underwear in my pants and for 10 of my 15 seconds I jammed my hand down the front of my pants wiggled around looking like I'm trying to find something and I pulled out the extra pair of underwear as if I had just pulled off my underwear without taking off my pants. <laughs> the crowd went wild, and I got in so much trouble. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Mixy Music Podcast. <laughs> Please leave a five-star review on uh, Spotify, Podcast, Apple, uh, uh, Amazon, wherever the heck you like to listen. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. Happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Are you tired of using Google Drive or Dropbox to send files to clients? Well, never get burned again with FilePass. I love and use FilePass exclusively for sending files to my clients. It's a cloud file sharing website specifically made by engineers for engineers. It's absolutely amazing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash FilePass to check out the full feature list and subscribe today. Never lose another dime to burned projects. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show.